And he actually said something in there that I found kind of funny in that certain surfers might enjoy the ride. And as basic as that sounds, it's personal. And I think the way that he surfs and, and his, his mindset around surfing is it's got one gear and that's going as hard as you can all the time. Welcome to The Drive, my name is Danny Johnson and this week on the show, Mike and Stace from Stab Cusp are going to talk through Stab Ride, Dane Reynolds' new project that he recently just made for Stab. I think we talk surfboards, Simon Jones, who might be one of the greatest humans on earth. Definitely one of the best shapers. He has won the Electric Acid Surfboard Test, a film series that we do almost every time we run it. But before we do that, let's catch up with Brendan Buckley, Stab's editor, Big Dick Power Surfer, and see what's happened this week in the wide world of surf. Yeah. What time is it there? It's six in the morning in New Jersey. It's six in the morning in New Jersey. We got a nice little sunrise coming up. We've got no waves. And we've got a train going by. <laughs> it's all happening. Well, it's half happening. No waves. No waves. And even last time we talked, I remember I was trying to like be real hush-hush about a swell. That didn't work. It was still just the swell didn't work. Ah, it didn't come. It was fun. It came, but I mean, it's pretty rare for Surfline to throw out a little double-digit number around here. And they went in. They threw it out. And I was trying so hard not to get my little hopes up. Got my little hopes up. Got let down. Just chest high. Biggest one this week is the launch of The Ultimate Surfer. Your close personal friend, Dana White's uh-huh. TV show. Friend of the show. Is a friend of the show, your longtime friend. It's out there, man. It happened. And now you you can't watch in Australia, right? No, but I've just found a link. I've actually had a bunch of friends texting me on, hey, Eddie, you must have a link. And, and then I found one, so I haven't been able to take the time to sit down and watch it yet but I've sent that link around to a few friends and they've sent me back a few screen recorded moments and so I have a little taste but I haven't seen it yet and you got the early scoop so you're while there's a lot of hysteria right now on the web you it's old news for you because you've seen it right it's a little bit old news I only saw a few episodes but it's been really fun to see how my friends react to it like what's been the consensus of the people that you sent the link around to uh, I think people are just pretty blown away at how broad of an audience it's aimed at, even though I don't know how you would have an expectation that it'd be any different. And I think they just think it's funny. That's pretty much the same thing I've heard. Yeah. Like I've actually, I'm in a group thread with friends that will pretty much write everything off and when it came up, I was like, oh, here we go. Like, they're going to go to town on this. And one guy was like, no, I, I kind of like it. <laughs> um, we're two episodes deep now. And I think, like, I think more and more people will like it as it goes. Because uh, I think I've told you, but I I took a very athletic approach to training for this. I watched a lot of Top Chef, which I'm sure if you were a chef would be like, this is bullshit. This isn't like a representative of what I do. Like, this is lame. <laughs> um, so I was training really hard with that for the past few months. Ah. Oh, there we go. 
So, the winners of the first wave challenge are Anastasia and Luke with a team score of 5.35. Not only are you safe from elimination, it now falls upon you send the first team into the elimination surf off. It has, yeah, it has stuff where it is so far from what surfing is, but I do think a good surfer will probably win. I do think as the surf, as the series goes on, it'll probably get more interesting. I mean, my, my favorite thing right now is that they make them wear rash guards inside. There's something just thrilling about that that excites wait, wait. me a lot. Explain that to me. I don't, that doesn't, that doesn't, what? When they're reviewing the footage, like if you go out and have a surf challenge, like one was combo turns this week, they all sit in that like little room that you always see at the surf French and they're still on their rash guards and they got this guy who's just, I, I don't think he surfs, but he's just a hunk that's talking to them and they're all huddled around in the rash guards. It's really bizarre, <laughs> but it's my favorite part. Yeah, one of the, my, my most favorite things ever is to see a, a comp presentation and for whatever reason, they mustn't have been able to have the presentation immediately after the final finished. And so people have, have gotten changed and they're wearing jeans and shirts and just regular recreation clothes. But then they do the presentation and I guess part of the sponsorship deal is they have to wear the rashies while they do the presentation. So they put the rashies on over the top of their regular civilian clothes. Have you seen any any presentations like that. They're the funniest thing. I have seen that and it's lovely. It should be a rule for all contests. You yeah. have to put on jeans after <laughs> you surf and then just keep the rashy on. What about when Jadson Andre requalified and he wore his rashy all the way back to Brazil on the plane and everything? For like, he wore it for days. And when Matt, I love stories like that. Yeah, when Matt Wilkinson won the Gold Coast comp that year when he went on an uh, incredible run, he partied in his rash shirt all night and was still wearing it the next day. Those stories are incredible. Man. Yeah. Like that just makes me love those people so much more. <laughs> yeah. How much surfing is are in these episodes? That is one bad thing. It like, there's not that much. It's definitely less than 50% by far. And they'll do that like, that shitty thing that would annoy us all in Hollywood movies where they just like cut mid wave, like, or like the peak of like Zeke Lau's turn, they'll like switch to another angle. It's clear that the surf action isn't edited by somebody who has done that before. Right. That would yeah. be pretty frustrating, but it's all in the pool, right? So pool content's pretty re repetitive anyway. Like, oh, I think to, to be honest, I would be much more interested in hearing about who's pashing who and who hates who than than watching someone surf that wave any more than I already have seen. I mean, that's that's what they're doing it for. They mm. want everybody making out. They they pick just hot people, just a bunch of hunks, a bunch of good-looking gals. I think when we had the Van Stab High in Costa Rica, Albie Lair was saying he couldn't get on. He tried, and I think we were there when that photo dropped that showed the cast and everything. And it was like, oh, well, it's clear what they were doing. Just trying to pick like surf skill wasn't the most important thing. It was just like, let's get a bunch of hunks in here, put them in trailers, see if they fuck. Yeah. You know, I, I, I asked Dana about that and my friend, Dana White, friend of the show. And he, yep. he, didn't really play along with, with that idea. He, he was like, nah, it's nothing to do with looks. They're all really quality surfers. And it was, it was one of those 
moments where you're like, oh, do I have the friction of, of pointing out the obvious there or do I just let him have that? Well, not let him have it, you know, it's Dana White. But who else? What other surfers tried to get on this show? That's, I mean, the, the thought that Albie tried to get on and, and could have potentially been on tour because it is an incredible shortcut to the tour. Yeah, Albie's the only one that I've heard of, but only specific surfer I've heard of that tried. But there, it seemed like a lot of people did try. Like on that trip, it seemed like there were a bunch of other really high-level pro surfers that wanted in that they denied. Right. So, sorry, friend of the show, friend of the program, Dana White, but it seems like you just wanted hot young people who might try to smash their body parts into one another. Well, I mean, you know, you wouldn't be the first TV executive to, to make that decision. Hmm. You would not. Won't be the last. Wow, that was sick. Even though these surfers have been competing at the top level their entire life, they haven't been tested like this. There's different skill sets and challenges and energy that they will really feel for the first time. And it's a, a complete game changer for the sport of surfing. Earlier this week, it was announced that Kelly Slater is on the board of directors at the Rhythmia Life Advancement Center, which is not as sterile as it sounds. It's a place where you eat ayahuasca and go to the moon. Yeah. So it, it became famous a few years ago that Kelly attended a retreat there. I've had a lot of experience through my life. I've been all around the world. I live all around the world. I've know people in all walks of life. I've been able to experience most worldly things that people get a chance to experience in their lifetimes. And I had maybe the most profound experience of my life here. I would say I, I got a miracle uh, of information. I've seen more and more kind of hint at his experience doing it in interviews and stuff. And I'd really love, maybe with us, if we could prod him on it. I think it'd be great to hear about it because I've never done it, but it sounds fun. I mean, as long as you're okay with vomiting for a while first, it seems like you drink it, vomit, maybe shit yourself, and then open up a portal to a new realm. One more interesting one on that. We post this story on the site and then share it to Instagram, and Kaiwa Belly actually replied to our story I saw, and said that all the <laughs> all the judges and the WSL director should Kelly should get them to go and take the ayahuasca and reset and fix the WSL, which is not a bad idea. What is yeah, I mean the supposed clarity from post ceremonies is through the roof. So what but what his what is his what is his gripe with the WSL judges? I'm not really sure. He didn't say anything specific. I think maybe he just wants them to see the world a little bit differently. I hit him back. I said, they'll probably just shift the scale from zero to infinity then. <laughs> well, why isn't the scale infinity? Why if you – I mean, there's that really famous heat where Kobe Abaddon was against Conan Hayes at Chopu and Kobe got, I think, a nine or a ten early on in the heat. This is the final – and then Conan got what essentially was the equivalent of a 13, but 
he couldn't actually win because I think Kobe had already maxed out the score. Excerpt from Surfer Magazine comp report of the Gotcha Pro Tahiti 1998. Hawaii's Cunnan Hayes got a pair of 10s in the final and a 7. It was best of three ways back then. But one of his 10s was so much better than anything written in the event that the number was meaningless. Kobe Abaddon, meanwhile, got two nines and a 9.1 and won the event. People who were there still recall Hayes' loss as the single most wrongful call in ASP history. There's no reason to, to stick to 10 as the maximum, right, if you're in a heat. Well, one thing there, it's kind of interesting to hear that Conan has a history with not trusting the voting system. I wonder <laughs> if he went into the booth and had a big audit after that. That could have been the moment, huh? That could have been the that could have been where all the distrust for for authority started. I think so. I think we figured it out. But I hey, to Kyle's point, maybe we get them down to Costa Rica. We get them on the ayahuasca. That won't happen again. Okay, in other news this week, we have another episode of S U R F, which spells surf. And I believe you know a thing or two about that project. Yeah, that's the one I've been working on uh, for the last little bit. And I've always been so confused. If I would love to know, actually, if anyone that's listening was, was going to mention it to someone or how they would pronounce it. Would they say S-U-R-F or would they call it surf? And if you start calling a show made by Stab Surf, then it, it all gets... A little bit confusing, confusing, which is all part of the the fun, I guess. But yeah, we've got there's two episodes out now. For anyone who hasn't been across it, each episode is a different challenge. The first one was length of ride, where we got rib curl GPS watches to measure who could catch the longest ride. And Aussie Wright won that one. The second challenge, which is the one that's the most recent episode that's out now, the four surfers: um, Jake Finney, Ari Brown, Solly Bailey and Aussie Wright had to, they had $100 in a case of Byron Bay Premium Lager, which is the local beer here. And they had to use that as their bargaining power to try and find secondhand boards. And they found some pretty classic boards and we got pretty pumping ways for that. And then the next episode, which is next week is, which was by far the, the, the most difficult challenge. They had to get the ends of two different snap boards and and stick them together. So boards that don't match at all and they had to stick them together but they weren't allowed to use surfboard repair materials. We just gave them a little budget at the local hardware store and they had to go and do that which sort of seemed like to me that it was a little bit impossible. Like I had no idea if they were going to take these like Frankenstein creations and paddle out and they would just fall apart, you know, as they were paddling over the first little shorey but uh, it turns out they didn't and that one was, is probably one of the most fascinating episodes. So that one's coming out next week. But yeah, if anyone hasn't seen that series, then, um, you know, you've got a challenge ahead of you. You either watch ABC's Ultimate Surfer or depending on how much time you've got in your life, maybe you can do both. But yeah, it's up to you. I would really recommend everybody watch episode two. I mean, I watched the whole thing, but episode two to me was especially aspiring. I love haggling for surfboards. I'm in a... I'm in a talk right now with the guy. He wants 150 for this 6.8 HIC. I'm not giving him 150 for this 6.8 HIC. I don't need it as glass ons. I can't take it anywhere. I just have to leave it at my parents' house. But the idea of just this bartering for old surfboards is one of my favorite things to do. And seeing those guys do it was really fun. Let's talk Surf 100, too. We covered. You know, you said the whole period or the whole 
would you spell it out thing? And the periods tell me to spell it out. Surf 100, you know, I'm not going to call that S-U-R-F 100. Yeah. But we do have a Surf 100 coming with Dan Reynolds, Mikey February, and Mason Ho. That'll drop next Friday, the 27th of August, 7 p.m. PST. And it's going to be awesome. I have seen a little kind of layout of the waves they got, the surfing they did, and it's exciting. Uh, We're really excited to share it with the world. Yeah, I'm so excited for this. So this is the third Surf 100, and if anyone missed the first two, it's a a surf comp held, like pre-recorded in optimum conditions, just a straight-out final. The first one was at Lowers with Kolohe, Griffin, and Ian Crane, and the second one had four services in West Oz at North Point and had Jay Davies... Jacob Wilcox, Jack Robinson, and Cal Walsh, and then the, and then you watch these things back with live commentary, and, and you get to score yourself. So it's it's like a it's an amazing format. And Dane, Mikey, and Mason is going to be probably no doubt the most exciting one yet. So I'm I'm fritzing over here. One twist for this one is that in past Surf 100s, it's just been two waves. That's it. This one, it's two waves, but on two different boards. One performance board and one more alternative board. And so that is a fun twist for this one that will... It adds a layer to it, and I think it opens up a lot of room for commentary, too. Mm. So that makes it really interesting. Um, We're also giving away to a lucky judge, because as you said, it's judged just at home by the people who are listening, watching... We are giving away as a prize pack two boards as well. Same thing. A oh, high no performance way. board from Channel Islands and an alternative board from Simon Jones. So you could be just like Dane. You could wake up next Friday morning and when you go to bed that Friday night, you'll be more like Dane than you were when you woke up. And isn't that something? Especially if you win those boards, you can be like Dane because he's a part owner in CI and has ridden them forever. And he just recently rode a Simon Jones in the in Stab Fried, the movie he just made for us, and hated it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, the only surfer in the world to not love Simon Jones's board. I think Mikey and Stacey are going to do a big breakdown of that film in the second half of this show. So, I look forward to listening to that. Oh, great! Yeah, so Surf One Hundred, it's happening, and tune into the website. Or Buck just mentioned the date, so. Find it, watch it live, potentially win boards, judge scores, and and feel a part of things. And one last thing, that is, it's fifteen bucks pay per view. But if you're a premium member, which you are, because you love us, uh, it's free for you. So get out there, be a premium member, and save fifteen bucks. It's a good call. Save money. You're being smart. Be stupid not be to. Wise. Yeah. Why the fuck did I keep stalling? Surfing with Dane, but I'm stalling in this fucker. Can't help but to watching that guy's up. Yeah. It's like fucking Santana Live. I think the Surf 100 thing kind of hit me right there. I just you didn't let go. What kind of surf news headline we'll do this week is that Jonah Hill always has surf wax. Uh, earlier this week, GQ did a piece with him where he laid out his 10 essential things in life surf wax is one of them 
This is my next essential item, Mr. Zog's Coconut Sex Wax. It's awesome. It smells really good. I love the way it smells. Green's my favorite color, so I gravitate towards green things. It's pretty iconic, and then it's also good and smells good, which is like, I like smell. Jonah Hill's obviously so in love with surfing, which has been cool to see. We've talked about him on here before, getting his body glove tattoo and his whole journey. But it's cool to see how much that guy just genuinely loves surfing. And yeah. for me, I feel not that I live anywhere near LA, which is where he lives and surfs, but there's a little bit of, I feel a little bit of peace knowing that there are people out there that are going to always have wax and will accommodate to people like me who are often just scraping the barrel to find a little chunk here and there. Oh, that's what he's done. He's set himself up for for being the guy that everyone hits up in the car park, right? You got any of that green sex wax that you, you've always got? He's just like a target that, now. That's how I interpret it. I mean, the rest of it was cool. You know, yeah, he's got a water bottle and a speaker and there was some actually really entertaining bits in there. But for me, I was like, okay, well, now I know if I'm ever in L.A., Jonah Hill, I'm coming for that green quick humps, buddy. Hey, so you know that, was it 10 things? Is that what the list was? Was it 10 things you can't live without? Essentials, it was called. Yeah, I believe it was 10 things. 10 things. So three of them were surf-related. There was sex wax. There was his 88 soft top surfboard. And then there was another thing, which I think it was a bit of sticker or badge, which was his surf Jew thing, which was actually a reaction against this old surf Nazi Malibu uh, gang. And so he has like three out of 10 surf-related essentials, which is... That's a pretty like dedicated surfer right there. For, for, for how much that guy's got going on in his life, like he's, I, I put him up there as like one of my favorite actors for sure. He's so fucking entertaining and he's a director now. And yeah, he's like a pretty dedicated surfer. Like I'm feeling like he's more yeah. dedicated than me and I've been surfing for like so much longer than him. He's been surfing for two years. <laughs> and he's, he's just got, out there like lapping you. Yeah, well, he's just got Yo, so much what's more. What's up, Danny? I served three times today. <laughs> he's got so yeah. much more memorabilia than I do. Uh, we'll I have know. to get you sorted. I'll get I'll get you some some stuff. I'll get you some knickknacks, some trinkets. All right. Do you find it? Do you does it? Do you find it interesting that if any celebrity goes surfing, then that's news on, on some level? I remember like Cameron Diaz or all those like gossip magazines when they were a thing. It, they would always have photos of celebrities surfing, just standing on a SUP size board on some sort of unbreaking Waikiki style wave in in Hawaii, and that was always a news. Is that news if they play any other sport? Like it seems like surfing still has this novelty factor that's newsworthy to people or, or interesting on some level. I find it like pretty amazing. For sure, it does, and it's funny because it doesn't like the tabloid kind of stuff can't really distinguish between like, like Jonah Hill serving would just be boring to them now. Whereas it's just getting more and more interesting to us because he's actually getting into it and figuring yeah. it out and he's in love with it. Whereas like you said, somebody just takes a lesson and stands up on one wave. They're like, Oh, he's going to make that. And that's the least interesting thing to us. It's just, it's almost like the more consistent they do it and more they actually surf, the less anybody else cares and the more that we care. I don't know. I don't know what to make of of surfing's uh, like its its role in pop culture because it's always so interesting to me. It's always used in commercials, and then occasionally Hollywood will have a little dabble. And it 
it to me it just seems to have this enduring sort of perception as cool, even though it's it's so ubiquitous these days and and doesn't seem to have I don't know it doesn't seem like it should be still considered like this what is it like this it shouldn't have any like cultural potency as this like special or exciting action sports thing well we actually we published a piece on stab premium early this week about I think it's just called like the often awkward employment of surfing in advertising Mitchell Shepard wrote that one yeah he did and the point that he made, it's one of the points that he made, I guess, was that you could use it. It's, surfing is so diverse. You know, you could use it like a car ad to make it look super outdoorsy. Or you could probably use some like Malibu stuff like you were talking about to make it look like the most mellow, peaceful, like not at all extreme thing. Or you go to Nazare and sell a watch because it looks like the most intense like human pursuit ever. You know, you could market it as super healthy, part of this healthy lifestyle. It still has things that you could do that make it seem more radical and edgy. It's like so diverse and you see pretty much all these executions of it. Yeah, I never really thought of it like that. It is so diverse, huh? No matter what product, you can can find some positive connotations via surfing to associate with it. It's it's it's, It's a marketer's dream. Campaign Taylor Steele's movie is now real. Oh yeah, yeah. He was. I guess he was early on to onto this same conversation, wasn't he? But either way, I mean, to circle back around, I fucking love Jonah Hill, and watching him sit through something like that GQ thing, which would normally be pretty dry, or I don't know. He's. I I love him. I'm not ashamed to say it. Me too. I want to surf with him. I want to get him on this podcast. How can we get him on? Let's just get him. Let's. We'll go. I'll go to L.A. Uh, we'll never buy wax. I'll just lurk Malibu parking lot until I get him, and I'll kick it off like that. Oh, that's only the half of it. I want a new. I want to do a new column, Danny. Oh yeah, what is it? I want to do a new column. So everybody takes. Not everybody, but oftentimes on Stab Premium, we see people take words out of an article and just use them without context at all. Mm-hmm. And it seems really fun and I just kind of want a piece of the pie. <laughs> and so new column where I'm going to take every week, I want to give a snippet of one stab premium article and just remove all context. I'm not going to tell you what story it's in, just nothing. Um, I am just going to kind of lay out a quote or a line and maybe the name attached to it. So, I'd like to start now. Go for it. Okay. This came from Jordy Smith. Uh, the com- the quote is, I have subsequently heard that there are South African kneeboard champs at J-Bay, which Giggs is putting on. That might not be ideal for my knee, but you never know. <laughs> and, and how does this work? Do we now talk about that or is that it? I'm not really sure. I, I don't know if it's a good idea, bad idea, but I like it being, I mean, we can't give any context. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, when I woke up this year, I didn't think Geordie Smith would be talking about entering comps at J-Bay on a kneeboard. Well, we have it in writing, so there you are. No it's context. Official. Away we go. Is that what it's called, no context? 
the the segment. Yeah, sure. I like the segment. That. I call it column. Oh yeah. yeah. No context. Uh, no context. I like it. Listen to mail this week. Last week we started talking about a few conspiracy theories and Mark has written in and he wrote, good morning, Danny and Buck. Ever wondered why Kaloha has never won an event but come ever so close? Never been dusted with those few extra decimals when he needs them against John John or Italo? That is because the WSL was trying to get Target to become a title sponsor for the tour in 2018, but Target never bought in, so Mr Andino has barred the wrath as a result of the financial scorn ever since. Now, of course, I have zero evidence of this thanks to a big cover-up on the WSL's behalf, but, I mean, you just got to do your own research. Wow. I'm all in on this. It's a pretty compelling... I mean, I can't even really call it a conspiracy theory because it's so airtight. It's airtight. I mean, we could we could say this is fact, right? Like we don't even have to dance around this. The only one Conan Hayes esque truth moment is that Carissa Moore it was also sponsored by Target, and she's won about sixteen hundred world titles over that same period. So. Unless they just had something against Target's menswear division. I don't know how concentrated this conspiracy theory is, but mm. that is the only yeah, argument against it. Okay. Okay. I think so. Chris and Moore's, they're letting her win was a false flag, is what we call that. Uh huh. That was just to get you off the Kolohe scoop of him losing that one event to Italo yeah. on at Diva uh, when it was two foot. <laughs> that's the big story, and her winning all those world titles and everything. That's just the false flag. You understand? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I the do big, see that. The big thing was all in just making him lose like the three finals he's been in. Mm. Um. Chris's stuff is, yeah, that's what they want you to believe. So you're being a sheep, Danny. But thank you, Mark, for being a warrior, a truth warrior, uh, sharing light in this world. Yep. Thank you, Mark. Okay, we've got another source in this week. Um, this man, this came to me through his girlfriend. I didn't get his name, but this man is clearly haunted. Uh, he went all in. He sent it to us in the form of a video. We just asked for audio recordings, but he he gave us a video, and it's jarring. Danny, I think you said this may be your favorite surf sin yet. It's the it's the rawest and most emotional. Let's have a listen. <laughs> so here's my surf sin. It's pretty bad. I'm at lowers, paddle into a wave, a left. Uh, there's three guys on it. I call them off. And as I bottom turn, I come up, I rip a top turn, I fully sent it. And as I'm coming down, I see this girl coming around the section to the right. And I didn't know what to do, whether to kick out immediately or say sorry, but this girl looked really mean, really aggressive. And we ended up riding the wave together for a couple seconds. I kick off and we don't say anything, but she's mad dogged me for about the next 15 minutes and she gets a set left at the bomb of the day and as I'm paddling in the same wave she was already on hoping she would fall <laughs> uh, 
she, she looks me straight in the eyes and gives me the devil bird. And I went to the beach, embarrassed, sad, life ruined, didn't, it was over. All right, guys, punish me. Oh, like you said, you could hear the pain in his voice. And even for us being able to see it, you could see the pain was in his voice. The embarrassment was in his eyes. This yeah. man was scarred and we are happy to commence his healing journey. Um, one thing I'll say is that it's, this happens when something bad happens in the water like that. Like, you know, you said it, he kind of started where he may have accidentally burned this girl. Things align where you're guaranteed to bump into this person again, or you're going to be in their way like this. Once you mm. set that off, this weird rhythm is going to happen. So he actually did the right thing to recognize it and get out as soon as he could. I think, but still the, the sins that he committed in that stretch are, you know, they're punishable offenses. We have to punish them, but he did the right thing to get out there because if he did not, it would have kept happening. It would have gotten worse. She probably would have run him over just somehow. He would have been in the wrong spot. She would have hit him. It would have been bad. Yeah. And so I'm happy to, to help him move on. Um, did you have any punishments in mind? I mean, in the Me Too, in the Me Too movement, fading a girl like this is—it's just so not fashionable, you know. It—it's very, very unfashionable. I think twenty years ago he might have been celebrated by a small minority of the of the surfing world, but I don't think there's anyone now that would condone that. Post Me Too, just fading someone like that. I mean, I think he's. Guilt might have been, I'm not sure exactly when this happened, but I feel like it might have been just magnified by the recent public conversation around this. And I mean, at, at this stage, he basically is surfing Bill Cosby. And he is. And so I guess his penance needs to be um, jail time. No, his penance needs to be. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I think okay, so as a little as a little tip in general, okay, it's one thing if you are kind of sitting on the inside and a wave comes and somebody kind of looks at you and you're like feeling nice, you say, okay, I go. But a little selling tactic for all you listeners, if you really want to make somebody think that you gave them a wave even if you're kind of doing it to just because you didn't want the wave, paddle for it a little bit, be kind of in the spot and then nod at them to go then they'll think that you're the nicest person in the world. Mm. So what I think this guy needs to do is he needs to go back to lowers. Oh, everybody, there's like eight people. Maybe it's not lowers, but he needs to go somewhere. And I think 50 times he needs to be in the spot for a wave paddling in and then nod somebody else into it because that's going to just shift this rhythm and mm. it's going to create so much of a good spiral for him. Everybody's going to think he's the nicest person in the world because – like I said, you paddle in a little bit and then you nod. Everybody's like, that guy's so sweet. Yes. I think 50 waves like that, it'll just, not only will it help him heal and help him forgive himself, but it will also set him, give him this new rhythm that who knows where it'll take him, you yeah. know? I mean, he could end up as president. He could, easy. Anybody can, as we've seen. You get on the positive upward spiral of cosmic life events and yeah who knows who knows what could happen and there's this. no stopping you yeah 
I, I really like this. I think rhythm. I think the nod. I think I think turning his whole life around with his penance and and just letting it all magnify, multiply, amplify, and signify a change Ooh. in his life. Did I just sound like a preacher then? I felt you really did. And I was in. I was like, "Yep, this guy is like in touch with the spiritual world." Like, I'm. Oh yeah, I'm listening. I don't even need rhythmia. I'm. Um, yeah. I'm feeling religious. Are you satisfied with that penance? I am. I think, like I said, I think it'll it'll help him. He'll have time to heal and think and reflect, which is part of you know what's going to get him out of this rut. And it'll also set him off on this new life. So I'm happy with it. Yes. And he'll have much needed neck muscle development, which we all need in this modern era where we're staring mm. down at our phones, uh, held at waist height. So those nods will just be getting that neck, that neck movement that we all desire and need. It's yeah, it's it's an ultimate positive. He's gonna need to go do it on lefts and rights so he doesn't blow his neck out. You know, he needs to keep it balanced. Oh yeah, Tressel, Tressel's is the perfect spot. He's gonna sit on that peak, left, right, nodding. I love it. Yeah. Thanks, Buck. If you have surf sin, if you've been committing some evil in the water, then please record a voice memo that goes for about 30 seconds and send that on through to either myself or Buck. Our emails are in the episode description. But if you've got a good memory there, danny at stabmag.com or buck at stabmag.com. If you've got any conspiracy theories or if, you just, if you've just got any correspondence that you'd, you'd like to make, then please send that on through. And now it's time to hear from Stabcasp, Stace. And Mikey. Covered from all angles, I am the Mike Man. Oh, that sounds bad. I didn't mean it like that. Stace Galbraith, the one and only. Um, how are you, son? I'm doing very well, son. Um, just quickly, though, people that give themselves their own nicknames are fucking dangerous people to associate yourself with, so just take it easy there. No, it was that was misinterpreted. I meant I'm the mic man because I have two different microphones going, okay? <laughs> that sounded really conceited, but I promise it was just a okay. mix up. We can run with that. I, I believe that. You are very organized. So that, that's something that, um, you know, in the podcast universe, I'm learning. And we've butchered a few episodes. So it's definitely good to hear that you're covered from all angles, Mr. Mike Man. I didn't even forget my headphones this time. So we're already off to a better start. Perfect, perfect. So, Stace... Tell me, um, obviously, we've got a few contests coming up that I'm really excited to talk about. Um, one being Surf 100, which is going to premiere uh, next Thursday, 6 p.m. California time. And obviously the Lowers WSL Finals, which is in a couple weeks. But for now, since we don't have any actual heats to talk about, I was thinking we could get into that little sizzler frying away on Stab Premium. Um, I think you know the one by Dane Reynolds. I do. Fried. What a classic name. Uh, classic uh, idea. You'd expect nothing less from Dane. He's pretty clever. Uh, I loved it. W what did you think of it, Mikey? I had mixed feelings about it. Um, it was So the context of the film is that it's what we're calling an electric acid microdose, which is when we basically take boards from a full electric acid surfboard test and give them to like a second surfer to try out but just a few you know like just four or five of them not the full thing it's a microdose 
And Noah, Dean, and Dane are roughly the same size, so we thought it would be cool. We already had Dane coming down to film Surf 100 in Mexico, and we just figured, you know what, you're here, there's waves, we have these boards sitting in our office, why don't you just ride a few of them, and we'll make a little film about it. And Dane being Dane, he was like, yeah, that sounds great, and actually, I'm going to make the film, because he, he's like me, he needs creative control. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he went home and did his thing and pumped out this 15 minute little masterpiece for us. I loved the music. I think Dane is probably the best at scoring surf films of the modern generation. Like the way that he just uses music to set the mood of each different section and tone and surfboard is just incredible. And it's like, it's funny, it's lively, it, it makes you happy and laugh and yeah it's great um the surfing i thought was definitely not dane's best and another part that i thought the film might have missed a little bit was just the opportunity to contextualize the boards a bit more like anybody watching wouldn't even necessarily have known that those were noah's boards um and maybe that's just me wearing my stab hat yeah, I know what you mean. I definitely was a bit confused about where all of the boards came from. Obviously, the Shroff came from Noah's um, east, but I thought maybe a few of them might have come from other tests or things that had been working on the side, uh, particularly the Simon Jones. I couldn't remember if Steph rode that one or not, but then after a bit of research and re-watching her episodes again, um, realized that no, it was two different boards, but... I think the idea of the electric acid surfboard test, it was pretty much obviously started with Dane and, and getting someone who is that surfer that is really high performance, regular thruster for 95% of his career and getting them on something different to see how it makes them approach waves differently or at least try to interpret waves differently. And he actually said something in there that I found kind of funny in that certain surfers might enjoy the ride. And as basic as that sounds, I think he was talking about the Simon Jones, like it's personal. And I think the way that he surfs and, and his, his mindset around surfing is it's got one gear and that's going as hard as you can all the time. And so I think to see him on those boards, it definitely was nice to see him out of his comfort zone again and trying to figure these things out because he had some moments in there for sure. But overall, like you said, it's not what you expect when you, you see Dane Reynolds paddle into a wave. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting because Dane could easily, if he wanted to, go out there on those boards and look stylish and cool like all these dudes you see on Instagram, right? But it's just basically him saying like, no, fuck you, fuck that. I'm going to surf how I want to surf. And these boards are either going to let me or not, but I'm not going to let them determine my path. Um, which, you know, if anybody else did it, it might be like, dude, like <laughs> just ride the board how it's meant to be ridden. But with Dane, it's just so endearing. And he's also just really good at being kind of like self-deprecating about it as well. You know, like he talks shit on the boards, but he talks shit on himself and and it's funny you know what i was thinking about with dane actually watching this is it's there's no other surfer that's anywhere near his level that feels anywhere near as relatable as dane like dane was considered the best surfer in the world for a certain window of time and 
Maybe we didn't necessarily feel this way as much back then, but still we kind of did because he was putting out these marine layer edits where at least one third of the waves were him fucking up, you know, and doing a weird turn and like punching in the air or flicking his board out or doing like a super wide stance bottom turn just for fun. You know what I mean? Like he, he has this way, even though he has this talent that is like leagues beyond anybody else, he has this way of just feeling relatable, which is I think why people gravitate toward him so much. Definitely. Uh, and I think that in a situation like this, even though he didn't talk too much, there are little tidbits in there. I think with the Timmy Patterson, for example, uh, that he gives you that he's that's his version of being stoked you know if he says a board goes good on rail i don't you can't expect him to say any more than that as far as him enjoying the board yeah and when he when he says something nice i feel like you can just like see his mind being like okay but how do i balance this with with something critical (laughs) it's so funny like and and again like as much as people say that you know they're drawn to positivity or whatever like i don't know we see it time and time again the stories and the things that people actually gravitate to the most are the ones that have some sort of like like you know if it bleeds it leads that sort of concept like people love negativity because it feels more honest in a way because i think people's default is to avoid conflict and the easiest way to avoid conflict is just blatant positivity put a freaking giant warm fuzzy blanket over everything and your life's going to be easy and dane just refuses to do that and another reason why we love watching him if not even surf then just talk about surfing yeah it was epic to see him talking so much in that which it wasn't a heap but there was decent insights and breakdowns and without getting into it too much he's obviously like everyone a product of your environment and you're growing up where he did you're never gonna stick your head above your shoulders too far and he's still to this day acting like that which is i think exactly what you mentioned and us being able to relate to it but getting back to his i guess development of boards and the way that i saw it anyway was like him growing up and and becoming a pro surfer on say the proton from channel islands back in the day and that suiting his surfing so much and he's not an alt surfboard guy and there's some surfers in the on the planet that are that are like that um i was had a surf with margo randomly at d-bar this morning and i asked him about it because i knew we were going to chat about this and he was sort of said the same thing he was like i grew up surfing a thruster i ride them really well i like to go top to bottom in the steep part of the wave so i'm suited to riding these boards and riding anything else isn't enjoyable for me it's just not the way i want to surf i've had dabbles and twenties and single fins and other channel bottoms and things like this and it's just not for me and i think dane is essentially the same yeah and then we got to see the flip side of that in the same film when danny gave mikey february a little cameo which i mean i think we can say it as a fact was the best surfing in the film right like mikey's surfing on i think it was the fish beard uh was just absolutely electric like that is somebody who was born to surf boards that are, you know, non-conventional or at least not thrusters, maybe thrusters, thinking of thrusters as conventional is whatever, archaic, but Mikey surfing on that board was just so fast and a little bit loose, but almost more controlled than loose. Like he was controlling his speed so well, despite it, you know, being a shorter twin fin and 
that was like holy shit this guy is genuinely like a world-class surfer yeah i thought the same thing after watching that i actually think it's the first time i've ever seen dane be out surfed in an edit that he's made (laughs) yeah it was very like brave of him to edit the film that way because he didn't have to do that for sure and i think that's a good indication of where he's at he's he's like really flying the flag for being stoked for other people and, and putting mikey on that pedestal um you know i know mikey's dream one day in his life was to go on a surf trip with dane reynolds and, and not only did he get to do that but he got to feature in the film that he made as a part of that so i know deep down mikey will be so pumped and then the performance that he put on on top of that as well is like the cherry on top so i think that was um a pretty cool display of seeing two different styles ride the same board and i think you could relate that to a few other surfers that have jumped on those 20s and the likes um you know your torren martins and your michael february's and steph gilmore to a degree they have like a beautiful rhythm with the wave um where it's not all push it's kind of give and take and I think that's why it suits them so well. They're, they're happy to let a section go to perhaps generate more speed to then unwind. Whereas I think if we're, you know, breaking down Dane's style of surfing, he, he's dropping straight to the bottom and he's trying to unload at every opportunity he gets. And I think with those alternative equipment, it's just going to be a hard yeah, task. So we both test surfboards. Um... I consider myself a professional amateur surfboard tester, and I'm sure you do as well. Uh, have you had much experience on twin fins? And yeah, what's your take on them? I've actually got a weird obsession with the twin fins, and um, I don't know why, because I really struggle on them. I um, pretty much hate the way they paddle, because you're always riding them a bit shorter and fishy. Um, and they take a little bit to get off the mark. I don't find them to be particularly good grovelers. So where I find they go really fun is when the waves are semi-decent. And when the waves are semi-decent, I'd almost rather just be on my shortboard. But for some reason, I own like five twin fins and they're all from, you know, the best shapers in the world. And I look at them and I'm just like, I fucking hate you. But they just look so nice and that classical fish shape and... I still want to ride them. I rode one two afternoons out the front of my house and Cruzy jumped on it and he's like, this thing is a piece of shit. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I know what you mean, but I'm still interested to ride it because for me and with the, particularly the kids that I coach, I I genuinely bring them along to sessions and make them ride them because I want them to, I want them to experience what Dane was experiencing and that's being uncomfortable and, and it's almost like a problem solve the boards work they are made to work you just need to be a little more creative when you're riding them and kind of get out of your head that three to the beach thing or race down the line and do an air it's you know for the everyday kind of punter or young kids like that's not the way they're meant to be ridden so yeah i i love the challenge of it but then sometimes i wonder why i challenge myself because i don't get to surf as much as i used to anymore and i'm like get these limited windows and i'm out here just battling on these things missing waves and shit <laughs> yeah on the paddling thing it's interesting because they're like you said they're a shorter outline so they're not going to plane as well and they also have this like side shimmy thing because it's weird like you you would never think that your fins do anything when you're paddling but they really do like they stabilize the board so much and not having that one in the middle yeah it slows you down a lot um but and also like what you're saying as a training aid i that's 
Yeah, I haven't, I guess, a similar thing with twin fins where I'm not good at riding them, but I have so much fun on them. And I also use them as a training aid because I know we've talked about this a lot, but I'm just so front footed naturally. And on a twin fin, you just can't get away with that. And so you just have to teach yourself to shift your weight and kind of renegotiate how you put your feet on the board and all that, which is great for me. Um, and I actually got to test, I think you saw that um, little DHD mini twin recently. Um, and again, like the footage, I'll admit it does not look great, but I swear I was having the most fun on that thing. Like it was, it just felt like I could, I mean, I, I feel like I say this a lot, but the board is so small and you're able to like, once you figure it out, like maneuver it so easily, it just feels like you can put it anywhere and get it back under your feet so easily. Like it just felt like. I don't know. It, it was it was really really fun. And that's the battle of the modern surf experience. Is exactly what Dane said in this film and in the stab in the dark that he did with Mick and Geordie. It's about the everyday surfer's experience. And if they're feeling like they're going fast, who is anyone to tell them otherwise? Like ninety five percent of people aren't getting their surfs filmed. So if they're feeling fun and they're feeling fast and they're feeling good then more power to them. And twin fins, if you get the right one and you stand up in the right spot on them, every day you're going to feel like you're having a good time. So I can understand their resurgence in popularity. Yeah, unless you're going backside, then you're not having fun, or at least I'm not. (laughs) That's another story altogether. Um, Some people manage though, and I think it's the design of the fin. Like if you're chucking a more high-performance twin in, then I think you can get away with it. But some of those wider keel-looking fins, I, I... can't manage them backside at all um i really go left as it is but when i do it's not a pleasurable experience for me but i think overall with with twin fins they have lots that they can teach you i have a dick van Straal and hydro hull it's it's such a unique looking surfboard it's got a concave deck it's essentially two halves of a pintail surfboard joined together um and it's it's a wild machine but if you click in the right spot with it I swear to God, you'll never go faster on a surfboard. So the fun moments are fewer and far between, I feel, on those boards for me. But when I get in a good rhythm with them, I have a good time. And you just, like, you're much more impressed by yourself doing, like, even the most trivial things. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. You just feel like, holy shit, I did that on a twin fin. It's a little just, like, boost or whatever. 100% why do you do that why do we dumb it like how funny is that I feel exactly the same way why do you make it harder on yourself to do something you know you can already do like if you got a three foot barrel on your 20 you'd be way more stoked than if you did it on your regular thruster oh a thousand percent that's actually like I went out um, when we were down in Costa Rica for stab high this guy from San Diego his name is Patrick Queely and he makes pacific quest surfboards and he just said you know i want to make you a board just to kind of like see what you think because i guess he's kind of like a underground shaper you know not super established or well known and he was just like yeah like you're the board tester guy let me know if my board works and i was like okay and i get this thing and it looks unlike any other board i've maybe definitely tested but seen you know probably as well and it just had kind of like a pintail like really pinned out and then it just i don't know it's just strange looking it, it had these carbon rail things that were like uneven and everyone was looking at this board like dude that thing is not gonna work <laughs> and 
the, but the guy Patrick told me, he's like, look, this is not like a groveler twin. Like this is a board that you ride when the waves are actually good. Like it's meant to hold, which the pintail makes sense. And, um, we had like a really good day of waves or a good morning. And it was, you know, it was barreling, it was overhead and my leash broke on my shortboard. So I had to swim in. And then I just, the, the twin fin just happened to be kind of like lying there. I was like, all right, well, I might as well just try, right? Like just, just to put this guy's word to the test. And I went out and I got better waves on that than I did on my shortboard. Like it, I was like, no fucking way. Like it was fast, it held, and I felt two times better about doing it on that board. Like it was, yeah, it was overall well worth yeah, it. Yeah, and that's the, I think, the training aid part of it. You kind of spelled it out for me there. You you gave me some reason, some good, that was good, um, good psychiatric session there, Mikey, because I was scratching my head for a while there going, why do I put myself through all this pain? But that's exactly why. You've, you, you find these moments and it's like, that's sick. Um, what about channel bottoms? Because I thought Dane in this clip and Noah as well in, in his um, his episodes as well, I thought the, the Timmy Patterson yeah, looked but, amazing. I mean, that was a thruster. That's kind of like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it, even, even in Noah's electric acid, he was like, yeah, this is cheating. <laughs> so Yeah, but I still think they're alt enough to be considered that because not one person on the tour is riding a channel bottom. And I think there's a few surfers that would definitely benefit from from riding a channel bottom. In what way? I just think you can push really fucking hard on them. I can't speak from too much experience because I'm weak as piss. But how they feel to me compared to my regular shortboard, I think there's a lot of room for growth there with, with some surfers and so just certain types of waves. So when um, you say some surfers... In the, do you mean like weaker surfers? No, I think some of the more powerful guys. Like I think Geordie Smith on a channel bottom out J Bay would look amazing on a gr- on a on a gr- on a groomed day, um, moderate wind and and you know that four to six foot range. I don't they know, just man. This... Jordy's been looking pretty good on his longboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I hadn't watched it yet, but I saw him going near the lip on that thing and. You had to be cutting across the face and putting some toes on the yeah, nose. Yeah, he there, went Jules. to like nine fifteen on that thing. Yeah, I'm not really backing that. <laughs> <laughs> the best part is the giant Red Bull sticker on there. So good. I don't think mm. a uh, Red Bull sticker has ever made it on a longboard before. Yeah, breaking new ground. I think uh, longboarding is an exceptionally difficult art, uh, and I, I really respect the the people that can do it properly. But I just don't really like it when I see someone trying to like throw it up to 12 o'clock on a nine foot board <laughs> but watching someone like Kaylee Moniz or you know um, plenty of other good surfers out there on them it's it's a special it's a special talent to be able to ride a longboard well um, you know, very few people in the world have that mastered so you've never ridden a channel bottom is what I'm getting at no I have and what do you think of them I okay I, I've liked every channel bottom I've had but I almost feel like I would need the same board, one with channel bottom, one without, to like really know. Cause I like I'm like, yeah, I like this board. It feels good, it turns good, it holds well or whatever. But I'm like, how much of that is just the board shape and how much of that can I attribute to the tail? So I don't know. Like I would love to say, like, yeah, I notice a huge difference, but I just don't even know if I can claim that because I haven't had like an apples to apples sure. comparison. I would love to see Kelly Slater on a channel bottom on the right. Interesting. 
just because his turns are kind of some of the most powerful out there. I think that the the arc they draw in the wave, and I think you can attribute that to the fins that you can put in them as well. You can ride smaller fins because you've obviously got the channel in there. Uh, in the barrel, I've never ridden a better surfboard, and I think that pool is barrels and calves and i just really think there's something there yeah Um, and they look cool which is all that really matters when it comes down to it they look like a fighter jet (laughs) (laughs) um speaking of boards that look cool and work for some people the simon jones that we mentioned earlier has won multiple uh, electric acid surfboard tests namely Steph Gilmore, and more recently for Mason Ho. Um, Coco also really liked hers, and it just seems like Dane Reynolds is the only person that doesn't like this surfboard. Um, Do you have any insight as to why? I think he probably couldn't have ridden it in worse conditions. It was like looked like devil wind, kind of wonky point, and... That long flat board just looked like it was having a terrible time out there. So I'm really not going to blame the board or the athlete in this occasion. I'm going to I'm going to blame the conditions. You got to blame something. That is so political. Um, it's true though. Like it, it looks so shit out there that day he surfed it. He made he might have surfed it in some other conditions that didn't make the clip. But like having that much surfboard in front of you when the waves are chattery, fuck. There's a turn that you do. <laughs> that I do all the time when <laughs> I know it's, um, my feet aren't in the right spot when you go up just to ride the lip line and you think oh this is just an easy you know I want to ride this wave in and, like my session's over or whatever and you just want to finish the wave by tagging the lip and going in and you go up and your body twists and turns to kind of make the wave but your board just keeps going straight in the direction that you're going in <laughs> and there's no worse feeling on surfboard <laughs> And Dane did that about seven times on that side of the I also, like, I look at that board and I'm like, holy shit, like, I don't, that looks hard to surf. Like, that board is so flat. I, I don't know. Like, to me, it doesn't jump out at me as, like, that is a board that I feel like I, like, need to ride. And I don't know if I just am maybe tainted by watching Dane just bog on it, but... Like, that, that said, though, I surfed with Mason and he was, like, surfing it and really cuppy waves where i wouldn't think mm. that it would go well and it did so i don't know what sort of magic simon jones is cooking up in his morning of the earth factory but yeah there's some some strange things going on with his boards i reckon there's some mystery curve in those channels they're so deep and i think that is kind of what my point to channels working good in the wave pool because that wave's so curvy that it has no bottom it's all just flat slab and that's where i think the channel's fit into the wave really well I was really interested and hoping that the Panda Twinser might have made it on that trip but it didn't because I think from memory Noah's journey on that board started off kind of weird and then he texts someone or something and changed the fins around in it and he ended up tearing on it I love the look of that board yeah the, I think it's the shiitake um, yeah I guess uh, the microdose we had to just kind of make a little selection and we grabbed the ones we grabbed, but I agree. No, it was ripping on that board. Um, I wonder, like, and, you know, of course, I feel like we forgot to even talk about, like, you know, Dane did his own electric acid surfboard test. He was the first one. And, you know, I would say that he definitely 
liked a few of those boards more than he liked all of these boards. Like his surfing on the birch was amazing. Obviously he surfed well in the uh, neck beard too, but that's kind of like cheating because that's basically his model. Um, but yeah, there were a few boards that he surfed really well on. But then there were also a few boards that like this time, like he just hated and he was bogging all over the place on them too. So there's definitely like a consistent pattern with his surfing where it's like there are some boards that just either they don't work for him off the bat and he just, you know, he doesn't want to alter his course. I don't know what his boards are like at the moment his regular short boards I haven't seen him surf live in a few years or whatever but um, he obviously came from riding a lot of curve and I think that's just still in his DNA like if something's got a bit of curve in it it's going to work for him and I think you, you see that in the Timmy Patterson now I know I keep going back to it and saying how much I liked it but some of those calves and how hard he was pushing you know top to bottom you know holding at the rail the whole time and I think that the birch, the um, pickle fork, I think it was, like, those things are pretty spicy when you chuck them under the arm. And sort of no real surprise there that he was able to figure that one out. Yeah, so rocker. Dean likes rocker. That's what it comes down to. I think so. And I think it just suits his surfing. It, like, where he grew up, the waves, more often than not, are wedgy, steep. Um, the way he likes to surf is up and down. And we like to watch that. And, like, here we are on a podcast talking about some of his not so best surfing but we're still talking about it like I don't think there's been a surfer in my generation that is so I don't know powerful in their approach to putting out media I remember like when he first got on tour and he was surfing heats on the Gold Coast we were all just blown away we've never seen shit like that before with our own eyes he dismantled Parco in a heat one year here and it changed my best mate Dan's life forever. All he wanted to do was surf like Dane. It's still to this day. He just doesn't want to do anything but the biggest turn on the biggest section. And I think like Dane's legacy is, is so so cool in that way. Doesn't matter what he does, you know, if he puts out an edit where he's not absolutely ripping, you still know what he's capable of and you see flashes of it and you're like, yeah, this guy's definitely a special talent on the surfboard. Yeah, I, I remember that heat as well. And it was so interesting because Parker surfed really, really well. But he just surfed exactly like he'd been surfing for the past 10 years. You know what I mean? Which is just fluid turns. Everything linked amazingly. Everything in the right place. Carve here, snap there, finner, whatever it was. But Dane, I think, actually, to your point, like he like changed. He almost like forced the judges to they had their their whole minds changed in that moment they were like oh my god wait this is not the epitome of high performance surfing this is you know um and somebody who has that sort of legacy yeah you just can't help but want to watch more it's exciting you just don't know what he's going to do and even like even on a flat Simon Jones board that looks pretty terrible under his feet. You're still watching it. <laughs> but like, like I said, I'm not really blaming the board. I'm blaming the conditions. I thought Steph looked amazing on hers and still makes me want to buy one. Have you got a board that you don't have that you wish you had in the alternative category? Yes. Um, after going on that trip with Mason and Coco um, to Mexico, I rode, and this really kind of pains me to say, but I rode a couple of mid-lengths and just had so much fun, man. Like, 
I was like, wow, I've kind of, I don't even know if I've necessarily like talked shit on mid-lengths, but in my mind, I've always been like, no, like mid-lengths, no. Um, and then I went down there and I just really enjoyed riding them. And I don't have anything to say other than that. And I, and I want a mid-length. So if anybody out there wants to give me a mid-length, I'm, I'm here. I'll ride it. I'll love it. I'll, I'll nourish it, cherish it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I hear you. I'm in the same, same boat. Um, I, don't, I don't think mid length at the top of my list. Um, I think that panda board is for me. That thing looked amazing, but I know what you're saying about the uh, the mid length situation. And with any luck, um, Australia's surfboard manufacturing keeps chugging along. Um, I've actually got one on the way, so more on that in coming months. Um, it won't be anything like Harris. Yeah, it won't be anything like Harrison Roach and his um, quest of finding the ultimate shortboard well it won't be like the reverse of that but it will be hopefully can you uh, an interesting make watch. sure i don't know like you were obviously referencing um his shortboard thing that he did but harrison actually recently just put out a whole mid-length edit that we ran on our youtube and site that was amazing like first obviously that guy surfs really well and the waves were so good though like if, if you're gonna test a mid-length i want you to do it in really really good waves <laughs> You want me to have a swing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Well, I'll have that little extra paddle push to get into it. And I've ordered it as a five-fin setup, so I might chuck quad set in there. And Yeah, right. You'll get every wave at the alley. just have to wait and see. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I'll finally be able to surf the alley every day on my mid-length. fit right in. All right, Mikey, it was good to chat. I guess we got a couple of good weeks coming up. Um, can't wait to watch the Surf 100. That's going to be at a reasonable hour. But then after that, us Aussies will be up in the middle of the night watching uh, the world champs get to sign. Yeah, it's only one day, though, which is nice. So do you have anything planned? Like, is there, like, a, are you going to be able to drop whatever's going on and, and dig in? Oh, mate, I, my regular plan would be being flat on my back fast asleep. So, um I think, yeah, maybe maybe a huge night and just stay up and watch it. There it is. All right. Well, uh, until next time, Stacy. That's it. That's all we have for this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Stace. Thanks, Mikey. And we'll see you next week. Like our company, obviously. And then Surf Juice California is an inside joke. My friends who got me into surfing were Spike Jones and, and Mike Diamond from Beastie Boys. But when I started doing research on surf culture in Malibu, there was a big surf Nazi culture. It's almost like irony poisoning, you know? Kind of like 80s surf culture, but like basically all their dads fought in World War II against the Nazis, so they were being punk and like, fuck our parents, so we're gonna be surf Nazis. But then, of course, irony like seeps into, there's a great New York Times article that will explain it a lot better than me. But I was obviously like, fuck, like all this classic Malibu surf imagery has like swastikas on it, which is so gnarly and fucked up. So I was like, yo, we should start surf Jews. So there's all this imagery of like, opposite of a swastika, essentially. It's really fun and funny and silly and not meant to be serious in the slightest. So I'm sure I'll get canceled for being, for having a Jewish star or yin yang or something, but like, I don't know. It's all just to have a good time. <laughs>